so I don't sound like I'm underwater like last week or no, two weeks actually, ago. It sounds good. I don't hear any like. Yeah, I didn't get any of that like, on my end either. So I, I listened to, like I said, I listened to like half of it in my car, and it, it sounded pretty good. It wasn't perfect, but it sounded better than even like other podcasts I listened to. So. Yeah, we're we're pretty professional with this stuff. So are we? Are you already recording? Yeah, I'm recording. <laughs> we can start whenever you want, dude. Okay, let's do it. Hello and welcome to episode two of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I'm Craig Stone. On the other end of the line is Kyle Askin. Say hi. Howdy. Uh, just really quickly, we need to make a couple corrections from last podcast. Uh, I said that there would not be any news on Showboat or Revel in the next two weeks, uh, or in the next week, and that was proven to be very wrong. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit, and that's also why we're here two weeks later instead of a month later. Uh, like we talked about, which is the other correction. We said we were going to be here once a month, and here we are just two weeks later. So more Atlantic City podcasting goodness for you, uh, our two listeners. So um, hi, Andy and Dave. Uh, so Kyle, do you want to get right into the big Revel Glenn Straub news? Sure. Yeah, we can talk about that. I do want to say that, uh, you know, we had a long discussion of whether or not we think they'd be open in a year. And I think it looks a lot better for your side of the argument now than it does for mine. But uh, you can jump right into it and start talking about it. So shortly after we recorded the podcast and posted it, uh, the news came out that Glenn Straub is buying ACR Energy, which is the power plant that has sort of thrown a wrench into this whole thing for you for a year now, um, and is, you know, the, the sole power plant, basically the idea was Revel would build this power plant, they would be off the grid, it would save them money, uh, when they did not have enough money to finish the casino, they had to offload the power plant and then ended up getting charged, I think, more money than they would have paid Atlantic City to be on the grid. So... When Revel closed, ACR did not actually close, technically, and then when Straub bought Revel, they tried to charge him for bills owed from the previous owner, and there's just basically a deadlock this entire time. Straub has tried to come up with all these solutions, like hooking up to showboats power or bringing in generators. All of those things got shut down. Uh, right. It turns out you can't just run an extension cord from showboat to Revel to power the building. The best, I think it was you who made the joke when he was looking into buying showboat that he was just going to run extension cords, and that like absolutely turned out to be the plan. That basically <laughs> turned out to be exactly what he wanted to do, right? And then he tried to bring in the generators, and the state of New Jersey, I believe, said that you know the diesel generators created too much pollution, and so he couldn't actually hook them up. Well, wasn't it, it, it that too, and that there was some risk of you know I, I I don't know something about it being unsafe actually hooking it up to this building while it's also getting power from ACR. I don't know, it was a big mess. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's just been a big mess the entire time. ACR has been asking for the moon, really, in, in the monthly charges. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's something like $3 million a month. Right? right, so, but Revel was ACR's only client. <laughs> so right. when Revel is closed and sitting there dormant, there's not much income for ACR. So uh, eventually the 
bondholders, I believe, tried to foreclose on uh, on ACR. Straub jumped in and said, I'll give you 30 million bucks, which apparently is about 10 months worth of energy if he was just paying <laughs> paying ACR. Uh, and they took it. And so as part of this deal, ACR is going to pay $15 million to the bondholders. Um, so ACR is basically only getting $15 million bucks. And so for the first time, Revel and ACR are owned by the same person, which was the point to begin with. Right. So, which is the big thing that I think everyone was probably hoping for for the entire time. Yes. And this is just a huge, huge step for Revel. Um, so first of all, what do you think got this done? I mean, is it just the foreclosure thing? Yeah. Uh, it was probably that, and I mean, I don't know what was going on in the negotiations. I know there were some other things going on as well, like, you know, Straub, I know, was way overdoing his taxes, and I think that he had some date in early December where if he didn't pay his taxes, the Rebel was actually going to be put up for tax auction, basically. So I think he had some reason to try to get this done uh, to figure out what he wanted to do, but he has now paid his taxes, so I know that that's good. But uh, I don't know. There's probably a couple dates that were coming up that helped push this along a little bit. But the bankruptcy action uh, from the bondholders and the ACR probably had a lot to do with it as well. So the big question, um, I mean, nothing's ever this simple, right? Like you think that this is the biggest hurdle and really seemed like it was. But what is stopping Revel from opening now? Like as soon as this deal gets done, what's stopping Revel from just saying, OK, let's let's open the doors? Turn, turn um, the lights on and let's get some people inside. Well, I mean, you know, there's always a bunch of stuff that has to be done just uh, administratively, you know, hiring employees to actually staff it, and which there shouldn't be any shortage of, of you know, It'll, gambling employees, casino employees yeah. in Atlantic City right now. Fully trained, ready to work. Uh, you know. I know he still has some work to do. Like, he's not actually licensed to operate the casino, correct? That is correct. So he... He needs to find someone to operate it or, you know, apply to be able to operate a casino. And he has not even applied at this point. Right. So uh, so the latest from about that is he's saying that he is looking for someone to run it for on a 30-year lease to be the casino operator. Um, so he's looking to to, you know, farm that out. Right. So uh, the property taxes thing is done. He's paid the property taxes. The tenants are still an issue. I don't believe he's settled with the restaurants and nightclubs that still. Oh, uh, uh, they still in court. I know that they went to court to begin with because they said that they, whenever Revel opens back up in whatever form it opens back up, and they have a right to be there, right? And he didn't want that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's possible that he just didn't want anything there. It's more likely. I would assume that he wanted them there on his terms. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm sure he just, his feeling was, these are not my leases and, and I, I'll be more than happy to work with you to create new leases, but I'm not honoring the previous owners. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that when he opens this back up as a genius college or as a, you know, whatever, nursing home with cryogenics that, you know, Ivan Kane is going to be just begging to get back in and <laughs> running Royal Jelly. There. Oh, yes, I can only imagine the <laughs> money that that place made. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, 
I was really excited about this, like, beyond any reason. When I heard that he was buying the energy plant, I was, like, it felt like Christmas. And I was like, it's going to get done, and it's going to be a casino. It seems like it's really going to happen, like we said, open as a casino, none of this genius college craziness, not a water park. Um, But just in the last week, the city council... I believe just before Thanksgiving, the City Council of Atlantic City named MNJ Urban Renewal the redevelopers for the South Inlet area. And the South Inlet area covers the land that Revel is on. So basically, they've given the rights to this partnership, MNJ Urban Renewal, to to develop the land, including the rights to say, apparently, that Revel is... Um, to condemn Revel effectively and say we're going to take this thing over and and develop it ourselves. Right, and and I read about this just today, and from what I saw, it, it sounded like the big rationale for them doing this was just to try to spur uh, Straub into actually, you know, doing something with the building instead of just having it sit there vacant. Yeah, and the two articles I read on this put that kind of late. Like, they were very early on. One of them, the headline was, could Atlantic City condemn Revel? Which is very much the sort of shock and awe headline, right? Um, yeah. And as I read more, it, it definitely seems like this is just a play by the by the city to push Glenn Straub to do something. And it makes some sense, I think. I would be a little worried just because I... I think that Straub is probably the type of person that when you push him, he pushes back <laughs> and right. and gets very indignant about it. Um, but they, I think their feeling is, you know, this guy's come in, he's said all this crazy stuff, he's going to make it a water park, he's going to have high-speed yachts coming in, he's going to do all this other crazy stuff, he's going to build the second tower, um, and none of that has, has moved them any closer to actually opening the property. So I expect that it's just a matter of, okay, here's this sort of looming threat. Get on it. Let me tell you what not a good idea would be. Building the second tower right now would be one of the worst business decisions, I think, that would be possible to make. It's it's unimaginable, right? Like that he would right. even that he's even really no. considering that. No, I mean it's just not even possible. But it, it seems like I mean. You know, there's probably some people that you could browbeat into, you know, kind of bending your will as the Atlantic City City Council or whatever, the executive or the the government of Atlantic City. But, you know, if nothing else, Glenn Straub has proved that he's very, you know, litigious and he's more than happy to, you know, fight everything out to try to protect his rights in court. And he has a pretty good track record going back to, you know, Florida doing that so and i I believe he is already suing of course right. uh i'm sure he's suing i think he's suing a bunch of people but so the the council president frank gilliam um was quoted in the atlantic press of atlantic city saying that he's just trying to spur straub into opening the property any sort of redevelopment that were to go through m and j would have to be approved by the crda the casino reinvestment development authority and uh so it really, to me, you know, the CRDA is going to want the casino open. 
Like if if yeah. if they feel like and any redevelopment's just going to delay that at this point. Right? Like Straub with the energy company is closer to opening than any sort of crazy redevelopment. Yep. Uh so I I when I first saw it, my heart just sank, which is is sad because that's way more invested than anyone should be in this. Um, you know, other anyone not named Glenn Straub or um, you know, any someone on the Atlantic City City Council. <laughs> um but it seems like it's just kind of alarmist and not really I'm not too worried about it now. Right. Uh so oh so l- let me just jump onto something you said uh which is that you can't browbeat Straub into doing something. Are there any owners anymore in in Atlantic City <laughs> that you could? I mean you've got Straub, Carl Icahn. Yeah, Carl Icahn. Like that's yeah. not happening. He's he's in the middle of trying to bust up right. unions. Um, Caesars has proven that they're more than happy to do whatever they want to. Right. I mean, but. if if Atlantic City really wanted to pick a fight, right, like they would have picked a fight with Caesars on Ether, closing right. profitable show. Shutting, shutting down a profitable casino, which they've done and are probably going to do again at some point soon. Or putting the deed restrictions on Showboat and um, right. the Atlantic Club uh, that they right. bought and then... Well... I mean, so the thing with with the deed restrictions is I think that, you know, I think that even Atlantic City knows that, you know, property like Atlantic Club, like, they really, they can't support 12 casinos anymore. And so I don't know if they necessarily necessarily have a problem with that. Yeah, I don't know that it's so much a problem with it in in practice in, in these individual instances as much as... um. And maybe this is my own feeling, uh, but as much as this idea that you've got someone doing something that's anti-competition, right? Like they're clearly, mm-hmm. as the owners of three of the eight remaining casinos, trying right. trying to do things that will ensure that less that it's harder for other casinos to come in. They're increasing right. the and, barrier to entry. And more than that, you know, shutting down a casino that was profitable and, you know, was supplying the area with thousands of jobs. Right. And we've talked a lot about this. Um, and and certainly the union had a lot of um, had a pretty strong talking point about, hey, you're putting people out of work from a casino that's making you money. Um, but really, the math on it, I'm sure, works out for Caesars where the, the revenue that's going to showboat or that was going to showboat they figure a lot of that's going to go to the other three casinos that they own, especially right. because they've got the total rewards, which is the biggest players club. Um, right. I mean, it's it's really the only players club. Well, at least until recently, it was the only players club that if you wanted to get comps for more than just Atlantic City, if you wanted to get comps in Las Vegas, it was the easiest way to do it. Right. And so, you know, they shed all of the expenses of Showboat, and I, I would almost guarantee you that they're taking – that they're, you know, when you get rid of all those expenses, that the the revenue that they've kept more than makes up for the revenue, that any revenue they lost by closing Showboat. Right. Uh, well, right. I mean, from a business perspective, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was the right thing to do, but it certainly didn't make them look good. No. And I certainly don't think better of them for it. And And there's been a lot of talk that, you know, it's been sort of hinted at strongly uh, through the beginning of this year, or like starting the beginning of this year, when you know Caesar started undergoing their bankruptcy stuff, I mean when Loveman was still in charge, it was kind of hinted that 
you know, Bally's is going to be next on the shopping block. Yeah, and that's been talked about and presumed a lot. Moody's just released some report saying they think more casinos are going to close. Um, yeah. I didn't even bother to really follow that too much because I don't really care what Moody's has to say. Um, but I definitely – I. I thought that that was a good chance because of, for, because of the same math, because Harris does so well, and, and Caesars is connected to the property. Pretty, right, um, right. I mean, so, I mean, if you want to look at this from a purely, you know, a purely logical business standpoint, I mean, the right thing for Caesars to do probably is to close Bally's and, you know, take all those rooms off the market and, you know, try to push all their business to... Caesars and Harrah's and maybe leave Wild Wild West open and make it part of Caesars. Um, but are they going to do it? It sounded like they were definitely leaning that way uh, from everything I was reading again at the beginning of the year when they were just beginning to undergo their bankruptcy stuff, which is still ongoing. Um, and just so you know, I did I did read the, the Moody's report and yeah, basically what it mentioned was that they think Atlantic City is going to be under continued pressure because of all of the new casinos opening up in, you know, Massachusetts is going to have a huge casino opening up. You know, New York State's got a bunch that are opening up. Uh, Maryland's got another big one that's opening up soon. Uh, and all the other casinos in the area. And they mentioned that the, the casinos that they thought were in trouble or, you know, most likely to shut down were, were the Taj and Bally's, which are totally reasonable. And they also mentioned Caesars in the same breath, I think probably because they're undergoing the bankruptcy now, but you know, that doesn't Caesars isn't going to shut down. So yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. No, it wouldn't have sort of property shutting down like that. Um, right. So one of the, my theory, I think my super cynical theory was always that they were, that they were waiting out Taj basically <laughs> and hoping that Taj would close and then they could close Bally's and, still own a third of, of the casinos, you know, their percentage would still right. be good as far as the number of casinos that they own. Two out of six, they would take a big cut at, Caesar, at Caesars. You've got to assume the vast majority of people who are going to Bally's are just going to pop on over to Caesars, right? I mean, they're connected. They feel like the same huge complex. Right. And I mean, yeah, you can you don't have to go outside to go between the two. But then they renovated the casino floor and they added in new restaurants they totally redid up on that sixth floor where it's you know it was Phil's poker room and and some generic cafe and a generic steakhouse and now it's you know guy fieri's place i I mean you you say they renovated the casino floor but they put like new carpet down i don't Though if they really spent a serious amount of money on it, yeah, they sh- they definitely you know obviously it's so cliche to say shuffling the the deck chairs right, but they shuffled the cause the the slot machines, they moved them around, uh, they put in some new chairs, uh, which we laughed about the artist rendering that really just looked like they yes. used MS Paint. The, we did laugh quite hard about that, uh, and then and that's pretty much it. I mean, it does not look any different to me inside of Valley's. Uh, well, and they have like they have whatever you want to call them dealer tainers, right? <laughs> right. Now they've got a little stage straight from the Imperial Palace. Yes, and it's bad. I mean, it it doesn't look it's not enticing. <laughs> well, to me, I don't know. Maybe it is to somebody, right? Yep. 
So I don't I'm I feel like Bally's does pretty well though. So I'm I kind of they do fine, I I think. I mean it's a big property. I'm sure it has a lot of employees. I'm sure that you know, there's a lot of overhead, but you know, the revenue numbers are always all right. It's not great, but so one of the things that I have talked about a few times in the past and sort of hinted at just now is that why, if you're really worried about the expenses, couldn't you save a lot of expenses by basically saying that Bally's is part of Caesars and making it one gigantic complex all under the Caesars name? Well, how does that save your expenses, though? I mean, I'm guessing you've got a lot of management at Bally's that you might be able to shed. Oh. But the empl- you're right. The main sort of rank-and-file employee base is going to stay the same as right. long as you've got that much right. casino floor, that much you know, drink service and all that stuff open. Right. Um, I'm all, it's also possible that well, they're not even allowed to do that. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it, it, it isn't necessarily the casino floor that's expensive. It's I think it's it's the real key for them if they that this is getting all the the rooms off the market. I think that's would be the main benefit for them. Right, and so al- allegedly they're renovating the Bally's Tower. And I say allegedly, I mean, I did call Bally's and uh, see about the renovations because for a brief time when I was looking at booking a room for January, it was showing me pure, very renovated rooms in, in the Bally's main tower. Right. And they said, no, that, that's not going to be done. So I don't know if that means that it's not actually being done. I, I took it to mean that it's being done and it's just not done yet and it's yeah. not going to be done yet in January. But if they're really renovating the rooms and really putting and not just throwing new, you know, upholstery on everything and, and putting in new sheets and it's really a real renovation, then I would think that they're probably not going to shut it down anytime soon. Right. Well, I don't know. We'll see. You are you you do not take the same tack that putting whatever lipstick on the pig is is indicative that they're not. <laughs> no. I don't. I mean, there there are some renovations they could do that made me that would make me think like, wow, it looks like they're really putting money into this. They're probably not going to be shutting it down soon, but you know, what they've done to the 6th floor and the casino floor does not qualify for me as that. Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme, that's just not a very meaningful amount of money. Uh, no. So so talking about very meaningful amounts of money, uh, AC profits are up 61% according to the uh, Division of Gaming Enforcement, right? So, yeah, I saw that. So in quarter, the third quarter of 2015, they're saying that uh, the profits are up 61%. So that's that's good, right? That's These are positive signs for Atlantic City. Uh, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I guess. What is what is the other way of looking at it? Well, so so here's the thing, right? Uh, profits are up what whatever, sixty five percent or whatever. I think revenues are up something like five percent in that same time. Right, which doesn't uh, seem to make any sense. Well, no, 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 it makes perfect sense because you know, uh, showboats closed, so that's you know, good. Trump Plaza's closed, so. You know, two whole casinos are removed. You know, revenue stayed approximately the same. And, you know, expenses have gone down by, you know, whatever. There were, there were 10 before and now there's 8, so gone down by 
So that's part of it. Uh, another part of it actually is, you know, revenue's actually gone down in the actual gaming right. in Atlantic City during that time. It's the, when you add in the online gaming, it's actually going to go up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I think that revenue is, it's not free, but once you have the infrastructure up and running, it's essentially free. Right. Um, Which is also another thing for Caesars, if it becomes a real factor, the online gaming. Right. Like, it's it's not like having three casinos gets you three online licenses, right? Like, that's right. <laughs> it's not giving you a bigger share of the online market. Nope. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is good for Atlantic City, certainly. It's good that the places that are still open are more profitable than they used to be. Like, that can't be a bad thing, but it's not as rosy as those stories made it sound. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are, sound great. I mean, and and just the numbers are just so big that it should give you pause, right? I mean, when they're talking about Tropicana being the lowest gainer at 41% and Trump Taj Mahal gaining 182%. As soon as you see that in, in the like fifth paragraph of the article, that tr- Trump Taj Mahal is up 182%, you kind of need to take a step back and and figure out why. Because obviously, right, you, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly Trump Taj Mahal is not up at all in in revenue. You know, like we said last episode, you know, they've been in the death spiral since the end of last year, early this year. So you can keep talking. But, I mean, it's clearly has to be some combination of cost-cutting and online revenues. Yeah, and just the fact that a, a year ago at this time they were seemingly imminently going to close. Like, they right. seemed like they were days from closing, and then they didn't close, and now it's, you know, you've got to assume that there's people gaining some confidence that, oh, hey, maybe this place is going to be here six right. months from now, and are actually going back, whereas, you know... Uh, I don't know. Are, are they? I don't, yeah, I mean, their gaming revenue is certainly not going anywhere, right? I, it was really bad a year ago, though. <laughs> uh, let me see. So a year ago, quarter three, their gaming revenue in the casino was $64 million, uh, which was certainly much better than you know places like The Rebel and The Showboat, which really were in their last gasp. But it was a little bit better than Resorts and Golden Nugget. And this year it is $54 million. So it has gone down. It is still better than resorts, but resorts alone. Um, so I don't know. It's not doing well by any stretch of the imagination. And and in an article I read recently, I mean, they said again that Carl Icahn said the second he loses any sort of court case, and, you know, he's won a, quite a few in a row, actually, against the, the union. The second he loses one, he's going to just shut the casino down. So... Yeah, and that's and he, I'm gonna say he's probably not bluffing. No, I don't think so. Because I mean, that's, I doubt he cares, right? Like, I that's not something he would bluff about. I think he's he's certainly proven over time that he's going to do what is best for Carl Icahn to make his money. Right, he is not a philanthropist. He is not Howard Schultz no. at Starbucks trying to give. His employees stake not, in the company or anything like that. Uh, so, do you have anything else to add about profits? Have we pretty much covered that this is probably not the rosy scenario that... Yeah, I mean, it's... Like I said, it, it is certainly good. It's not a bad thing that this is happening. But 
it's not as rosy as all those stories made it sound. So hitting revenues, not really. <laughs> Bally's and Caesars got dinged $50,000 for parking rate violations. Um, and this is kind of an odd story. So they charged customers as much as $50 to park. And there's actually, if you're sort of on the casino make the rounds on the casino boards or the Las Vegas boards or whatever, there's a picture of Bally's in Atlantic City where the parking rate is 50 bucks, And I believe that was during the Blake Shelton concert, free, free <laughs> uh, concert on the beach, which became very much not free if you parked at Bally's. So they only were authorized to charge $30 at any point. Uh, so they got hit for that. And then they also would change the parking rates sort of at any time and so you see the rate when you drive in but you don't pay when you go in you pay when you exit right so yeah you don't even get a ticket or anything when you go into these garages right so you paid the rate when you left not when you went in so if you went in and it was you know presumably saturday morning or something when rates were probably pretty cheap and you left saturday night when rates were much more (laughs) you were paying the higher rate so they got uh, Caesars and Bally's total got $50,000 in fees. Um, they've agreed to end that practice of changing the rates frequently. They have to give 72 hours notice of rate changes. Um, and, you know, we, we park in in the casinos. We rarely pay because... Right, you have to get like five tier credits or something there. Not pay. Yeah, I mean, if you play a slot for 15 minutes, you're probably not paying to park. Not even, like five minutes. So so, so some of the sort of alarm about the parking, I'm, I don't sort of feel that sense of urgency about it. But I could see how this would just be completely infuriating if you are a local or if you're going to do something other than gamble. <laughs> um, and a $50,000 fine... Right, which is nothing. Is that even, is that, what kind of deterrent is that at all? Yeah, it's it's not. Um, So then the the bigger uh, sort of macro gaming industry thing is that there's a concern that the pay for parking is going to Vegas. And Vegas tripping has been all over this, saying that there have been talks in MGM, they have this profit growth plan, um, they've had internal memos about it internal they have an internal newsletter where somebody said one of their employees allegedly said every other city i go to i have to pay to park why don't we we're missing out on free money basically right so um it hasn't happened yet but there's the feeling that it's coming um there's a lot of debate about whether it's just because of the hockey rink that's opening and it'll just be an event thing or if it's going to be all the time. Vegas tripping has claimed that it's going to be all the time, everybody, even if you're staying at the hotel, no way out of it. Um, so if you're in, if you're a Vegas person and not an Atlantic City person like we are, don't you see this and you're just thinking like, oh, God, this is the direction we're going, isn't it? Right, it's, it's coming. And, and when you see stuff about, you know, 50 bucks to park, changing the rates, like that's got to sort of, make your skin crawl a little bit. Um, right. But on the other hand, you know, if it is like Atlantic city and I can go to MGM and gamble for 15 minutes and get a parking pass, like I'm not too worried about it. I also, 
you know, when we go to Vegas, we never drive. <laughs> like, we don't right. have a car, so it doesn't matter. Right. Um, I used to drive to Vegas, but so that's when I lived on the West Coast, which is not where I live now. Right. And we've you've never rented a car when you've gone out there, right? No, no. I, I mean, I've had a car many times in Vegas, but it's all when I lived in Arizona. So, I mean, I, I sort of see where the concern is. The pay-for-parking thing... Um, David Schwartz, who is a uh, at UNLV and sort hey man, of the, Dave. the uh, preeminent casino biz guy, right at this point, mm-hmm. um, was basically making the point that Atlantic City, when they charged for parking, like not that it was sort of the precipitate, <laughs> but it was not a, it did not lead to good things. Like they they charged for parking and. And like, you know, Vegas is not trying to be Atlantic City, right? Like they, anything that makes people think like, oh, this is, this feels like Atlantic City. Like that's probably not going to be a good thing for Vegas. Uh, So, uh, I mean, I have some feelings about this. I don't, I don't know if it's exactly an apples to apples comparison because as you said, like when they really jacked the rates up to above what they were legally allowed to have the rate set at it was because of an event right right and you know here in baltimore uh, you know close to where i live we have the horseshoe and parking's always free there except during ravens home games basically where i believe it's 50 dollars if you want to park there unless you're a diamond customer or get you know x number of tier credits during that time um which makes whereas sense. In, in in vegas if you're going to park on the strip I mean, it's not because every time you're either going to gamble or spend some money in, you know, the establishment where you're parking. But, you know, it seems to me like 95% of the time you're either parking there because you're going to, you know, gamble there or go to a club there or go to a restaurant there or go to, you know, whatever, the atrium shops at wherever, you know. And and also, uh, you know, in Atlantic City, I, you know, they have a thing that Vegas doesn't have, which is the beach, right? And in the summertime, if you can just go and park at Caesars, you know, a lot of people would do that just to go to the beach and really have nothing to do with the Caesars complex there. Yeah, and those we've been in those lots where they get pretty full. They, they do get pretty full. It doesn't and happen a lot, but certainly, you know, peak Saturdays, it's not easy to find parking. Right. Well, I mean, it's probably a little bit easier now, but a couple of years ago, it was certainly it got pretty full in those lots for the casinos on the beach. You know, the ones in the marina, it was never like that. But, you know, they don't have people going there and parking just to go to the beach. Um, so and it doesn't really bother me if these casinos in Vegas want to start charging if you're not, you know, spending money somewhere on their complex. I mean, it doesn't drive me crazy. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that's been coming out about what MGM has been doing and has been doing with their whatever peak pricing for beer at the bars and, you know, replacing all of their bartenders with robots and stuff like that, I think does reflect very poorly on them. Video poker vouchers. If you you have to get a voucher, if you want to drink. (laughs) Right. But uh, it doesn't necessarily drive me up the wall when if they're talking about 
charging for parking. Yeah, I mean, Mike, if if I was a Vegas person, which, you know, I aspire to be, but I'm just not, um, it, I would be more annoyed about the aggregate of all those things happening at one major player, right? One of the two big casino companies. Right. Um, and concerned that if they do it and it succeeds, it's going to just take over everywhere. I mean, why would Caesars not do every single one of these things if it succeeds at MGM? I mean, why won't every single casino do it there? And I, I agree with that. But, and, and believe me, MGM's done a lot of things in the past to, you know, get under my skin, you know. I mean, I'm not like the biggest gambler ever, but I am diamond at Caesars and I have been pearl at MGM in the past. And, you know, it drives me up the wall when I'm at Mirage or whatever other MGM casino. And if you're not betting a quarter a hand on blackjack, they won't even take your player's card. <laughs> they will just tell you to your face that they don't want it. Right. Which I've never understood. Which, I mean, all it does is aggravate your customer base. Right. Like, don't I mean, even they, tell could, them. they should take it and just not put it in the system. But it's better than telling them that they don't want it. Yeah, and that yeah, that makes absolutely no sense to say like don't even give us your card. That I never understood. Uh, um I mean, so I I'm not a big MGM fan in general. I I mean, I like some of their properties. I think they're nice, but I I'm not a fan of the company. But it's not necessarily anything recent that they've done that have made me come to this conclusion. See, there was a time where I was really high on MGM, and I think it was because I stayed at Monte Carlo really shortly after they introduced M-Life. And I thought the service was great at MGM and Monte Carlo. I don't love Monte Carlo's property, but I didn't really gamble that much on that trip. And the comps I got, I guess just because it was early in M-Life, for future trips were insane. Uh, you know, like free rooms at Monte Carlo on weekends, free rooms at MGM, um, free show tickets, free $100 food and beverage credit, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, they have, we went, right? We went probably a year after that and played a ton at MGM. And I stayed at MGM for two nights, and I think I have not gotten a comp room since at any point and just the offers are horrible now. They're like, you know, $89 a night on weeknights and stuff like that. So they've completely sort of devalued their, their program. Um, and so I've, you know, as much as I have issue with Caesar sometimes, um, I definitely total rewards will keep you in the Caesars ecosystem. And life is not keeping anyone in the MGM ecosystem right now. Uh, so staying with non-AC news, just really quick, because I, I don't want to get too Vegasy. Um, so Wynn is apparently targeting millennials with their Encore party pit, right? So uh, why? <laughs> Do you have any idea what they're hoping to get out of targeting millennials in Vegas? Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, millennials spend a lot of money in Vegas. Is it gambling? Like, no, probably not. But, you know, I think it's pretty obvious from the way that, like, how the casinos have been building their space, what they've been putting there. You know, clubs have been getting bigger and bigger in Vegas and in Atlantic City that, you know, if 
if clubs weren't a profitable thing, you know, they would minimize the size of them and put in more gaming floor. But, you know, they make a lot of money from from their clubs. And so I I don't know if it's completely nonsensical that they're going to be targeting, you know, the younger group. So the thing that confuses me is that it is a gambling pit. Like it's a it's attempting to attract gam- gambling and also millennials. And we've I guess you could argue like the Caesars Pussycat Dolls section is trying to do the same thing. Really? You don't think? It's trying to attract thirty old men. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it? Well, maybe this is going to end up doing the same thing. Yeah, maybe. No, I, I mean, I feel like the way it's being like. I, the casinos that have like you know the girls dancing on the poles while you're gambling, I don't think that's the same demographic as what this encore party pit, whatever thing. Probably lots of EDM is going for, right? Like right. Um. So, love Gary Loveman, the legend, the man, the myth. Um. <laughs> I know. Former Caesars CEO was quoted somewhat famously, famously enough in that it ended up in one of my textbooks in my MBA program, (laughs) was quoted as saying that 20 and 30-somethings, 20-somethings don't have any money, and 30-somethings have kids, and, you know, if they have money, they're not gambling with it because they have kids. Uh, Which is true enough in our experience. Yeah, true enough. We are both millennials, 30-somethings with kids. Um, So his quote, though, was, for the 20 20 and 30-somethings, uh, quote, God bless you, but we don't need you, uh, right. which certainly is not the welcoming message that you would hope for. <laughs> but if you're looking at something that is sort of the industry take on people our age, that is as official a uh, stance as there is, right? So it's interesting to see when who you think at, is as like high, high, high tier trying to get the older, richer types there um, is now going to the millennial side. It's It seems like you would almost think The Link and, I don't know, New York, New York, and whatever they rebrand Monte Carlo as, or, you know, Bally's in Atlantic City, and Harris, which does attract the millennials, um, and younger. You'd think that they would be the ones trying to attract the millennials. It really, seems really out of place at Encore. I mean, I, I'm not sure it is, though. I mean, so, like, what, you know, like, what are the, the two casinos that I think of when I think of, you know, the club scene in Atlantic City are Harrah's and the Tropicana, I think. And I think that, except for maybe Borgata, which is an outlier basically always in Atlantic City, I mean, they're the two casinos that have been the most successful probably over the last five years. That's true. You know, especially the Tropicana has really done very well, I think, the last few years. And I think, you know, a lot of what they've trying to been they've been building for is, you know, they've been building up the the quarter and the clubs there. And I think it's been pretty successful for them. It's been successful for their gaming revenue as well, not only uh, and probably the revenue that they make that isn't gaming related that we don't necessarily get insight into. Yeah, and apparently Gaming revenue now is less than fifty percent of of casino revenue. Right. So it seems like this is this is a move to get people in the casino 
to give them something that attracts them. And even if they don't gamble, they're going to give you a lot of money in another way. So it doesn't right. make sense. Because probably right now, Encore is, is probably not the first place that these people are thinking to go, right? So they're, they're all at Cosmo. Um, so getting them sort of in the door, and then maybe they end up going to the clubs, and they end up drinking and, and doing other things, and maybe they play a few hands of blackjack or whatever, like there's a benefit there. Right. So do you want to talk about holiday shows in Atlantic City? Because I you, want to talk about holiday shows in Atlantic City. All right, you, you run with it. I think you're the uh, expert on this this subject. So my default position on anything, any place that is seasonal, like a beach or like a, an amusement park, is that they should just completely go all out for the holidays to get that extra month of revenue. Right, and this is probably totally short-sighted because you're probably not making up what you're spending on it. But I want everything to just be tinsel and lights and totally holiday-themed. Uh, and Atlantic City does some of that. Like I really, we went to Tropicana. You and me and our respective wives, who I think may have been, I think I, we, I was married. You, you were not married yet. But anyways, now wives. Um, people don't need all the minutiae on that. But we went and they had the Christmas big Christmas tree up and they had decorations in the quarter. And I always remember that fondly because I just like being around places that remind me of that, you know, the season. So... Getting into some of what's going on, um, the quarter at Tropicana is now totally decked out Christmassy, way more than, than it was a few years ago when we went. Uh, they do a – they claim it's a light show, but I think it's just a giant tree and some and a lot of lights in, in the middle of the quarter. Um, there is now – and the exterior of the Tropicana – the a holiday themed light and sound multimedia show on the boardwalk side. So they redid the exteriors with these video boards. They are very bright and apparently they're doing a holiday themed light and sound show. For the past few years they've done a holiday themed light and sound show <laughs> at Boardwalk Hall. And basically it was like projected onto the facade of Boardwalk Hall on the Boardwalk side. It was three-dimensional. It looked really cool. Um, I only ever saw 15 seconds of it when my wife and I ran in 40-degree rain from Bally's to Atlantic Club to check in. Um, and I always meant to go see it and never did. We found out that that is not coming back. So um, this this year, they said, if it's coming back, it's coming back next year. The way we found this out, I think, is really cool. Because I basically posted to our Twitter, which is at do for a win, follow us. Um, I posted something saying, hey, does anybody know if the light show is going on at Boardwalk Hall? Because I checked the Atlantic City do AC site and didn't see it anywhere. And somebody said, yes, it is. Check the do AC site. It runs every night from 7 to 11 every half an hour or whatever. And, and so I kind of said, really, I don't see it. And half an hour later, this one of our 
proud followers uh, said, oh, I actually made a phone call and found out that it's not there. So uh, I'm happy to report that we are putting people to work uh, for our purposes, for no pay. Uh, and as far as, you know, getting something out of doing the podcast, I feel like I've already achieved something by just, you know, getting some information that I couldn't find online <laughs> and also getting something to do something for me that I clearly could have made that phone call myself, but <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> Uh, so that was cool. That was a cool experience. Um, but that show is gone. So the winter sweet show on the boardwalk uh, is gone, which is kind of disappointing. Um, other stuff going on. Tropicana has a Rockets knockoff called the Holiday Magic Show. It runs through December 18th. It's $25 for general admission. Uh, Michael Bolton is doing a greatest hits show with holiday favorites at the Golden Nugget on December 12th at 9 p.m., Forty-nine to $79. Kyle, do you have any interest in making that trip down next weekend? We're a week away. Michael Bolton, holiday favorites. Are you in? You and me, are we going? Why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. That's a good point. Um, Michael Bolton, by the way, has, has gone very, like, mainstream cool, right? Like, he was in that... I know, he's in that parody of Office Space, right? Yeah, and he's done... You know, ads where he's making fun of himself. He did the right. Lonely Island song with Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, you know, he's he's trying to not be the sucky Mikey, Michael Bolton anymore. Um, but I'm still not going to Golden Nugget for the show. If you do, more power to you. I'd love to hear if it's any good. Um, Atlantic City Ballet is doing The Nutcracker December 18th to 20th at the Claridge Celebrity Theater. 20 to 50 bucks. Um... Human Nature is doing a Christmas show right now. I'm missing it at the Borgata. They did Last Night and Tonight. So I'm only bringing this up because I love Human Nature. We went to see them at Borgata two years ago. They were incredible. Their Christmas album is incredible. You should buy it or get it on Spotify free. Um, and hopefully they come back next year. And then Not Christmas at All, The Roots with Common <laughs> are going to be at the Borgata Event Center Sunday, December 27th. 69 bucks, all general admission. That seems like a pretty good show, The Roots with Common. Um, that would be one that I would actually be interested in going to if it was not the Sunday between Christmas, Christmas and New Year's, <laughs> which I have a hockey game that night, but apparently that's fair game. Um, but Atlantic City, uh, probably not going to be able to make that trip. So that's it for the holiday calendar. If you go to any of those shows uh, reach out to our Twitter, tell us how it was. We'd love to hear about it, um, and we will talk about it later, uh, probably much to Kyle's chagrin. Yep. Uh, so next up, speaking of holidays, the playground, which we talked about last time as an experience that I would say did not live up to what we were hoping. They are looking to break a Guinness World Record on New Year's Eve they would like to pop more corks than have ever been popped at the same time. So these two new uh, managers that they brought in, this is their first big effort to bring more vibrancy and foot traffic, as is quoted in this article, bizjournals.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so they're going to try to break the record. It's called uncorked new year's eve it's 60 bucks early bird price you get 
your own champagne bottle. Every guest gets their own champagne bottle. I don't know what size it is. I don't know if it's real champagne or, you know, like California champagne or Andre, which I'm, I'm totally fine with Andre. Um, I think it's delicious for seven bucks. But champagne, as I learned from Wayne's World, has to be from the Champagne region of France. So I don't know if it's real champagne. That I don't really care. Uh, you get open bar for five hours. And you get to see the New York City ball drop on the 40-foot screen that we saw at the end of the pier. And that screen is freaking huge. It is big. It is unbelievably large. Um, so 60 bucks. I don't know if you've looked into New York, New Year's Eve. Not New York. I mean, I say New York because I lived in New York for many New Year's Eves. Um have you looked? You still do, basically. It's a short trip across the river. Yeah, I can see it. So New Year's Eve, have you looked into you like open bar deals for New Year's Eve? I mean, I did them when I lived down in Maryland. And 60 bucks, like that was not happening. It was 100 to get in the door anywhere. I'll be curious to see how they do. I'll be curious to see if this is the last we ever hear of it or if they actually break the record. Um, I'll be interested. So... This sixty bucks is the early bird price. Full price is a hundred bucks. So I think you know. I don't know what the cutoff is to when you stop being early bird. Um, I'm gonna guess if it gets towards towards the time and they're not anywhere close to the goal, <laughs> that <laughs> early bird is gonna extend to December thirty first. Right. Um, the current record is an Italian bank that I will not try to pronounce. With 2,778 bottles popped in 2007, Playground is shooting for 3,000 people. So we were at the Playground. Right. As six people or whatever, and we were the only six people there. Yes. Can the Playground get 3,000 people in the door to make this happen? Can the Playground hold 3,000 people? Apparently that end space... Yeah, the end space is can hold three thousand people. The end space is pretty big, but they so they need to fill it to capacity. Can is this even realistic at all? Is this something that you should even be promoting when you're seemingly at a high risk of failure? Well, I mean, so here's the thing: is it? It's kind of like a. It's a cool thing if they do it, and it'll be something they'll be able to put in press releases or whatever and be able to talk about and advertise. And if they don't do it, we're just not going to hear about it again, and it'll be fine, I think. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad idea. I'm curious to see if this is the last time I hear about it or if it actually happens and I hear about it more in the future. I mean, I hope for their sake that it does happen and... Everything goes well. I mean, I know Atlantic City is a, a busy city on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, the rates are insane, as right. they should be. <laughs> Got to milk that money when you can. Right. There aren't that many yeah. peak the, nights in a year. The couple, the couple nights a year that you can really charge, you know, six or $700 for a room. You got to take advantage of it. It's true. I'm not really sure why people would take the bus, like, from New York to Atlantic City or really from any major city to Atlantic City on New Year's Eve. Except gambling. I mean, that's I mean, but, the reason but, to do anything. But then again, do you do you understand why people, a lot of people, take the bus from New York City to Atlantic City to go to clubs? And, and yet they do it all the time. So, oh, yeah, that's that's really confusing. 
to me. There are lots of clubs here. Right. I don't go to any of them. Right. To be fair, none of them are boogie nights. That's true. There is. I don't think that the people that are taking the bus to go to the club are going to boogie nights, though. Only you. Me. Yeah. I mean, most of the Only most you. of the fifty year olds at boogie nights are probably driving. They're probably not taking the bus. That's a good point. Um, there are similar clubs to boogie nights that try to sort of do the eighties thing, but none of them do it as well as boogie nights. They should really sponsor the podcast, I think, for as much as I'm throwing their way here. I mean, our listener base is pumped to go to Boogie Nights right now. I I do have to say that it's not for show. Craig really does love Boogie Nights that much. I had a great time. You and and your wife and Andy and his wife wanted to get out of there. You went, are you ready for bed? I mean, we enjoyed ourselves. And me and my, oh yeah, it was a good time. It was late. It was like, you know, whatever, two in the morning. And we stayed for a couple hours. It's not like we were there for, you know, 20 minutes and then called it a night. My wife and I were like, we could stay until six in the morning. We could shut this place down. <laughs> Part of that was the Bud Light Limeritas that were the <laughs> cheapest drink available at Boogie Nights and were basically... Were like $10 or whatever. I think it was like... They ended up being like five bucks each because it, really? it was a bucket. I think it was a bucket for like... Uh, it was a good deal. Drinks were expensive there. I know Not that. if you bought a bucket of Bud Light Limeritas. Not if you bought a bucket of Limeritas that were probably like eight ounces each. Well, I don't know what was in them. I definitely was not drunk, but I was as hyper. I think my blood pressure was like through the roof. I could like feel my heart beating in my chest. But I think that's what you need if you're at Boogie Nights. I think that's what you need if you're at any club. I mean, yeah. Maybe that's why people take drugs. That's probably why people take Molly. Yeah, I think that's literally what happens. So, so before we wrap it up, I, I want to bring together sort of the the last segment that you talked about with uh, the Boardwalk Hall 3D Light Show and this segment with the playground. And I want to sort of ask you a couple questions. So, before they had the playground, right? What they had at the end of the pier was the water show, right? Yes. I don't know if you ever saw it. I think I saw it once. Right. It it is something that I have seen a couple of times. And I think when you talk about Las Vegas and what brings people there, you know, Atlantic City's big selling point has always been you can gamble there. Right? I mean, that's really what's drawn people to Atlantic City back when it was the only place on the East Coast that that statement was true. Yeah, because for anything else, why would you go there? Right. (laughs) So what draws people to Las Vegas are, yes, you can gamble there, but there's a lot more to Las Vegas than just gambling, you know. There's all the the world-class restaurants and all the, you know, whatever, ridiculously expensive shopping and all of the clubs and, you know, a bunch of other stuff that you can't really get anywhere else in the country, probably. But another thing that I think makes Las Vegas so special is that either because you're there with family, let's say, or, you know, you're there with friends, but you have had a particularly bad day or a particularly bad few days and gambling's just not in the cards for you right now. You know, there's 
a bunch of stuff that you can go and see that are completely free, whether it's the fountains at Bellagio or the volcano at Mirage or back before it was a CBS, the, you know, the pirate show. Right. The the pirate show at TI or, you know, you could walk around and see the uh, seasonal displays they put up inside the Bellagio or the Wynn or whatever. And that's something that Atlantic City has really never had. I mean, Atlantic City has had, you could walk around on the boardwalk, which back in 2005 when I started going was a pretty cool thing to do. And when I do it now, it's just completely depressing. Oh, I still love it. It's depressing. I need my... There's... Oh, peanut world. Every time. I mean, there's nothing... The number of places that are open versus closed on the boardwalk now, it's it's not good. I mean, it's not a good thing for Atlantic City. You know, I, I wonder if... Like, how good is it really? I mean, it's great for them, of course, that the marina seems to be thriving with, you know, what's probably their two most popular casinos, both being located there. But, I mean, I wonder if that really is good for Atlantic City as a whole, that their two big casinos are in the marina instead of on the boardwalk, because the boardwalk has been just decimated by these closures. Yeah, I would would definitely argue that the Borgata... If the Borgata was open where Revel was now instead, I mean, imagine how much healthier the boardwalk yes. and as an extension, you know, Atlantic City's economy would be. Yeah, and it's interesting because I read uh, a book about the basically the process that led to the opening of the Borgata. At the time, it was they were trying to get a wind casino opened. Um, so the book is by Skip Bronson. It's called The War at the Shore. Really interesting read if you're interested in sort of the politics that go into developing and opening a casino. And it, one of the things that really struck me is they worked so hard to get this land in the marina that was basically seen. I mean, it was a dump. It was like literally a dump. And and they had to convince people that like this was a good idea or that, you know, basically they should give them the land for free. But everybody thought, you know, at the time, everybody's making money hand over fist in Atlantic City we need to be able to develop as much land as possible, right? We need to add as many casinos as possible. So they had this partnership of, it was supposed to be three casinos, it was supposed to be like Circus Circus, who at the time was its own company, Wynn and and Boyd. And Boyd is the only one that came through. They opened Borgata. Obviously, the rest is history. Right. Well, MGM was actually going to be involved in that too, but I think they could not get a license. So that's why Boyd ended up running it on their own, I believe. Right. So, yeah, so it was like a split MGM-Boyd. Right, but MGM, I think, had some shady dealings in some other country, maybe in Macau, and they ended up not being able to get licensed. Yeah, in New Jersey, which has had no history of shady dealings in the state, in politics, you know, there is no place for that here in New Jersey. Maybe, you know, historically, just the most corrupt political state. I mean, Chicago is probably... Just it's on a whole other level, but like New Jersey from like Jersey City all the way down to Atlantic City, an unbelievable amount of corrupt politics. I mean, look at the like bridge thing with Chris Christie shutting down the bridge. I mean, it's still going on. So it's funny that their their casino process is so rigorous, but I guess you know, you have to kind of if you're so worried about the mob element or you, if your image is already so crappy, you have to make sure <laughs> you have to be extra rigorous, I guess. 
Um, and, and well, I mean, not only that, but that was a different time when, as you said, they were making money hand over fist. So I, I'm sure if they were looking to MGM was looking to open a casino now that oh yeah they would get licensed. So long story short, while reading that book, I definitely was thinking, man, opening this stuff and making the marina sort of the main attraction where Harris and Borg are the two generally highest grossing casinos really, really hurt the part of the town that is sort of the main part of the town and is close to where everybody lives and it looks just decimated. Right. With the exception, I do have to say the one really good thing that's happened there is probably the, the outlets, you know, that's been a great thing for Atlantic city it connects, you know, the convention center to the boardwalk, uh, you know, and it's a pretty nice walk to make now. So that's been a plus. But generally speaking, you know, the boardwalk has gone quite way downhill in the last 10 years since I've been going. But so anyway, to to go back to my, you know, story I was telling, you know, so a, a lot of the draw, I think, to Las Vegas is that when you either are unable or, you know, not in a position to spend a lot of time gambling there, you know, either because you're there with family or you've lost a lot of money already. You know, there's a million cool things to do. And Atlantic City, they don't really have that. And they've closed, you know, the couple they had. You know, you could go walk to the end of the pier before and wait until whatever, you know, 15 till the hour or whenever the, the water show was. And you could watch that for 10 minutes and it was something to do. Um, but... I mean, it's something that I don't think Atlantic City really has, and it's something that I think if if there were people that had a little bit more foresight that were looking to, you know, overcome this problem of the commons, and, you know, if everyone was willing to pitch in a little bit of money to have more things like this, it, it might have been a different story in Atlantic City over the last 10 years. Yeah, and we saw them attempt to do those art installations on some of the empty lots, Right, and the old well, they so the the park where the sands used to be is now just a bunch of art installations, right? Right, which I don't think either of us have ever ever bothered I've, to. Walk I've never through. actually, I've never actually walked through. No, I've seen the periphery. My understanding was they were originally planning to to rotate or change the art installations frequently. I don't know that they've ever actually changed them from the first instance. <laughs> actually, we actually should walk through it next time we're there. I mean, there's no reason not to, really. But yeah, and I. And that's also part of it, though, is that, you know, even though we do end up in those situations, right, where we would walk around and see things, like, we don't really do it. So when the 3D show was on the boardwalk hall, I went by once when it was not, it wasn't the winter show, it was some random summer show. Um, And it was just, you know, it's just set to auto-rotate, to auto-run, Um and it was just empty. It was just this thing running with nobody watching. <laughs> and it was kind of like this. It was kind of surreal to to walk by. And it's like this sort of show is going on that's like pretty cool and like actually interesting and worth watching. And it's just completely falling on on not on deaf ears, but just on no ears. There's nobody there to see it. And it's so and it was kind of weird and and made me a little disappointed and sad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something to talk more about maybe in future episodes. But it just, like I said, I mean, the big problem is to get these kind of things set up. It's like everyone has to work together. All the casino operators have to work together. Or, you know, Atlantic City has to work. 
with these guys and the state of New Jersey has to work with these guys. And that's something that historically speaking, hasn't really been done. Yeah. And that's obviously, I think that's the root of the problems for, for 40 years now for 30, right. whatever, and, 37 and, years. You know, they've been trying to work together a little bit more now and, you know, they've set up the do AC thing in the last couple of years, but it, it's kind of too late, I think. Yeah. And there, it seems like they're scaling back the do AC thing even now. Um, so I don't want to end on super negativity because now we're talking about like what the problems are with with Atlantic City and what makes it not as as enticing as Vegas and all that stuff. Look, we don't, you know, we love Atlantic City. We're not trying to make it sound like it's not a good place, right? We love it. So okay, so give me something. What is something that that Atlantic City makes you want to go to Atlantic City that Vegas does not have? Or is there anything? I mean, I can drive there. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a huge advantage. You don't have to get on yeah. a five and a half hour flight. Uh, nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. It's one I'm probably gonna have to think about for a little bit. If you have an answer, you can start talking while I mull it over. Uh, so for me, I think it's just this feeling of like. So the first time I went was in in January, and it was typical January Atlantic City, and it was fairly empty, and it was cold, and I loved it. And it was just – there's something about you are in a place that, you know, they're giving you free drinks. The rooms are really cheap. You know, I paid 30-something bucks to take a bus, and they immediately give you a $25 gift card – like, slot card, and, you know, I think – our rooms each were like $15. We split the room three ways and it was like 15 bucks or something cheap. And like the idea that you can get all this stuff and you can be someplace that cool for that cheap. And then you get there and you just feel like it's yours. Like you, you know, I walked out on the boardwalk. I think I took a phone call. Um, and I was just like, you guys were playing in Caesars and I walked out on the boardwalk and it was just like, you know, there were some people around, but not that many. And it was just kind of cold and like the beach is empty and it just, you know, still like scenic because it's the beach and the boardwalk, but it just feels like, like even though it was the first time I've been there, I felt like this place is like my place. Like, I feel like basically this place exists to make me happy, right? Like, and and other people don't get it and they don't understand it, but here I am and I'm just like enjoying it and taking in everything and and it's almost to it was almost to a point where the fact that other people kind of reflexively shit on it and say that it's bad and it sucks and everything's closing, like almost makes me like it more because I feel like it's mine. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, basically what I got out of that is it's because it's close and cheap and empty. So it's not just that it's cheap. It's that for cheap, you can do things that are not cheap. Like you can do things that should not be cheap. Right? Like you can stay in a nice hotel for free. If You can do that in Vegas. But I can't get to Vegas that quickly. And I don't get – well, I get some comps in Vegas. I don't get comps so at nice hotels in Vegas. Uh, I mean, do you get comps at nice hotels in AC really either? Depends what you're calling nice. I mean, so let's say, let's say instead of living in New Jersey, Craig, you lived in, uh, you know, I don't know, Kansas City or something or St. Louis. 
I mean, would you... So it was an equal trip to go to Atlantic City or to Las Vegas. Would you ever go to Atlantic City? Come on, man. I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, I think it's an interesting question, and I think... No, I mean, no, right? <laughs> probably not. I mean, we probably would, because we're suckers, but, like, even me, like, very honestly, I think a lot of it, for me, is nostalgia, you know? It's it's where I went, you know, right when I graduated college, and it... I don't know, there's just a lot of good memories there, but in a vacuum, like, if I could be in either place, like, I'd almost certainly, almost always rather be in Las Vegas. You know, there's more to do there. I mean, for me, it's, I don't know. How do we change that? That's a good question. I think that's something that we're going to have to talk about at great length at some point, right, in one of these episodes is is what needs to be changed? You know, what would you do if you had the deed to Trump Plaza? Or what would you do if you were redeveloping some giant swath of, of the city and that kind of stuff? Um, so I, I definitely think there's just a lot of uh, of fruitful conversation to be had and as far as just fun things to think about and talk about, about Atlantic city. Um, you know, right down to talking about the high points and low points of individual casinos to, you know, what restaurants are good, what restaurants would you prefer to have? What kind of variety is there or lacking that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that that's something all for a, a future conversation that we should definitely make sure to have. Sounds good to me. Um, I don't know. I do think it is an interesting thought process, and you know, until right now, I'd never really thought of it in that way. But um, I mean, I, I think there is there is something there. There is something in Atlantic City, but I need to think about it and and put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, for me, like all that stuff I said, like it's still a feeling, right? It's there's nothing tangible that I said right. about like. Oh, I really love going to X restaurant at, at Borgata or something like that. I mean, I do. There are places that I've gone that I've really enjoyed and I think are. You know, I love me some fat burger, but, you know, then again, that's on the strip as well. So, right. So, you know, I think we'll we'll come back with some better answers to that. Um, one other thing I have to correct myself on from last last episode is that I said that video poker bars are not a thing in Atlantic City. Um, and it's not a big thing. It's not like at every, every casino, but Borgata has one that actually apparently has really good video poker. If you check out vpfree2.com. Um, it's my favorite, you know, that I'm all over that. Yeah. So they, apparently one of the video poker bars has, I don't know if it's full pay, jacks are better, but it's good, pretty good. Um, Tropicana has a fancy new video poker bar that looks like a lounge with a fireplace. I definitely intend on going to that. Yeah, I haven't been to Trap in a while. Uh, Harris has the Eden Lounge, which I mentioned. And then I have to mention Dizzy Dolphin. Which <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest, rest in peace. Uh, so sad. That you was know, a video you know, poker bar. You know that I love uh, the Hilton more than anything. So I think we didn't quite succeed on, on ending on, on a happy note. <laughs> 
but I think we are definitely over uh, what we're shooting for time-wise. So uh, check us out at doforawin.com. Uh, we are now on iTunes, which is very cool. So if you search Atlantic City on iTunes, uh, last I checked, we're like the 13th thing that comes up. Hopefully we'll gra- gradually move up because none, really? none of the 12 ahead of us are actually Atlantic City podcasts. I, I searched and we were the second. Oh, nice. We're moving on. There's only, there was some, uh, like the weekly sermon from some church in Atlantic City was first. Oh, nice. But... Okay. We're moving up then. And then yeah. on Twitter, at do for a win, follow us, make phone calls for us when, when I ask you a question, when I ask questions that I could easily make phone calls about myself, like whether or not a show has been canceled. Um, you know, I'll just put you all to work. Um, or you can just tell us that we suck or that we need to talk about something or that we're great, preferably the latter, one of the latter two, not the suck part. Um, we have an explicit tag uh, on iTunes, which we did not make good use of at all today. So we'll try to do better with that on the next one. And I, I think that's it, unless you have anything else to say, Kyle. When are we going to do it again, man? I think, I mean, two weeks, I, I was thinking every month was probably good, but the amount of news that comes out in two weeks is actually uh, yeah, pretty surprising. Good. Yeah, so I, th- I so, think we should do 19th? for, yeah, December 19th. Let's do it. So we'll release it on the 20th, probably? I think that's the goal. All right. Sounds good. Well, sounds good. Until next time, we'll talk to everyone again in a couple weeks. I didn't even have the heart to say this in a recorded, in something that would be recorded in time. Like something that someone else would be able to hear and access. Um, but there was one point when we were in Vegas for, I think, your bachelor party. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a tinge of, like, I wish this was Atlantic City. And I have no idea, how, like, for what. But I was just like, I wish I was, like, on the, like, I wish, I think it was just, like, the distance between the casinos. I think I was just like, I wish that this was the boardwalk and not the strip. I mean, is it really like that much closer from Trop to Caesars? Not anymore. To resorts, right? Those are the three casinos on the boardwalk, right? Valleys. Is there any more? Oh, the Taj, but who cares? Valleys. And well, Valleys. That counts as Caesars. So I don't think that I don't think that line of reasoning really holds. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what sort of popped into my mind. I think it was, it was just nostalgia, you know. It's just like, like I've had. I wish I wish instead of drinking this beer, walking down the strip right now, I was on the boardwalk, not drinking a beer. Yeah, I don't know what I don't I I have no explanation. I just remember vividly like having this tinge of like I wish I could walk out onto the boardwalk right now instead of walking out onto the strip, which makes no sense. Like thinking about. How much I've well, I mean, it does trip. at some point, right? Because of the hustle and the bustle. But I don't know if that's really like something being more empty. Like, isn't really a good lack thing. of card slappers. Yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing though? Eh. Instead of the card slappers, you have the uh, oh, the push card guys, the rickshaw guys that are just harass you about getting a rickshaw ride. Yeah, and you're like, I don't want a rickshaw ride. Nobody wants Please a rickshaw ride. Alone. <laughs>